Hello, hello, and welcome to the draft edition of The Point Forward. We're taking a huge risk by recording this on a Monday. We're hoping that no major trades happen until the day of the trade, but uh, we wanted to make the day of the draft, so we wanted to make sure that we we give you our, our hot the hottest draft takes here in basketball. And, of course, uh, Mr. Ultra is, is with us, as always. Don't worry, guys, just because I'm hosting this one. Yeah, Ultra's I'm, here. I'm bummed that we haven't gotten a, the a number one overall pick for the number three overall pick. We haven't even seen any moves in the top five yet. It's very I wish uh, one thing I do wish. Well, let me first also, we have a, a special guest. He was with us uh, last year for the draft and gave us lots of lots of good Good picks and guys to look out for. And he also uh, follows college basketball more than we do. Yeah, he probably likes college basketball. He enjoys the NBA draft a lot. Uh, Mr. Mr. Taylor Flayhaven's with us. Welcome, Taylor. What's going on, guys? So I just thought of this, though. So one of my favorite bad movies is Draft Day, which is about the NFL. But how much better would an NBA Draft Day movie be? Oh, exponentially. Infinitely. Like I'm just trying to think of like all the pet, like, just like the crazy, the rumor mill. I think Who that would play be the, the best GM part. though. Who Jamie Fox? <laughs> you think so? I could see that. I guess Jamie Fox is, what is talented enough. The Kings. Uh, it would have to be the Kings, or it would have to be the Knicks. I think. Oh, the Kings would be so much fun. I think it would have to be the Kings or the Knicks, or you do. Um, I guess who's are just a potent like. Perpetually bad team always. Hawks. Huh, nah, I mean the Hawks, but they just don't have fans. Who's got a big fan base that always sucks? It like that's the, the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have to be the Knicks to to sell an NBA, or you could do the oh. uh, or the T Wolves. T Wolves would be fun. A Shut fictional up. Timberwolves. I just if it is the Knicks, they have to have one scene uh, where it's James Dolan's band playing. Like yeah, he's playing absolutely. on draft night or something. Like well, the that. fictional owner is yeah, he's got yeah. a band. Yeah, you just rip it. All off I know him. is if even in a movie, I don't think Tibbs would allow another GM to step in for him. That's <laughs> but Tibbs would just be screaming ice the entire time. He's he wouldn't be that'd be the only line he'd really be able to sell. I'd love to uh, see a NBA draft day movie where Tibbs is actually actually acting like he's the GM. Oh. <laughs> Shady Ultra, but um, no right. shade meant. But all, all I felt the shade, a little slight. Hey, I, mean, I if, haven't if been quiet about my feelings towards Tibbs. Andrew Wiggins wants to find his way to the Bulls on draft day. I'm willing to do another trade. We're just no trade backs. You can't have any of the pieces you gave up for Jimmy Butler, and you can't have the seventh pick. The so. Denzel Valentine Wiggins offer still stands in my opinion. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where do I sign? Um, so before we get into any of the, the draft stuff, that's going to be the majority of this episode, but uh, there was some other, I guess, uh, we could call it slight news of uh, since we recorded, and of course NBA Fashion was the day after we released our last episode. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Something we had talked about for a while, guys, um, but here, here we are, uh, and, and something I never thought I'd say about uh Someone wanting to leave San Antonio, but Kawhi Leonard evidently wants to leave. Leave the Spurs, wants to be traded to uh, L.A., would be the uh, preferred choice. So, Ultra, you kind of believed this in the beginning. So what did you initially think when you saw 
saw this Woj bomb slash Shams, kind of did the little back and forth breaking news uh, last last towards the end of last week. I had gone from, I thought during the season that Kawhi was probably gonna force his way out. And then there were a lot of rumblings around. And if you just think about how much money is coming at you at a, a five-year Supermax, that I thought that he'd be able to make it work with the Spurs. But now it seems like there's no way that this is going to work. But the thought of him going to – there have been rumblings also about him, like the Spurs not dealing with any Western Conference teams, which – yeah. I don't know if I buy that, but there's no way they're trading him to the Lakers. There's just no way that's going to happen. What would they get back from the Lakers anyway? Like it would be Ingram, Kuzma, Kuzma maybe picks. Gross, gross. Yeah. Whoa. I Any, like Kuzma, but I don't uh, like Ingram. I mean, the thing with me that would really it's just not make, enough. It's yeah. just not yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. What like so the Boston piece is obviously the the most compelling as far as assets go, and they probably can make the most. Most compelling offer. Um, Sixers, too, maybe. I'd say Sixers probably second because the Celtics have draft assets and they have Jaylen. the contracts. Yeah, and they have current players. Um, so so of the three, got, three, I guess, veterans, though, on the Celtics, because you'd have to move one of them. Are you moving Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, or, or Kyrie for, to get Kawhi Leonard? I'll, I'll let all. I'm gonna let's let the guest answer this one first. Taylor, who would you give up of those three? Honestly, I'd go Gordon Hayward just because. I mean, you already have a budding star in Tatum. Um, I'm nervous as hell about Kawhi's hip injury, or oh, yeah, it's the hip. And uh, you still have the versatility with the multiple six, seven, six, eight athletic guys who can make shots. And Horford played great for him. Led, or did Dead? he lead him an assist? Or yeah, well, I, all I say about Al Horford is being the playoff hero doesn't bode well for you when it comes to trade rumors in Boston. Shout out Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Alter, what do you think though? I mean, of those three guys, because that would be what they'd have to at least start with. Who are who are you I, trying I to get the, your Danny? The safest move is probably trading Kyrie. But I think that your ceiling's not quite as high if you do that. So not a huge yeah. fan. Uh, I, don't, I don't see that one going down. Nope. No, I, right. I don't. I, mean, I don't either. I, I don't either. But I'm trying to see if it's even possible for them to make this because Kawhi, uh, Kawhi's only making like eighteen, nineteen million dollars next year. So it's not like they have to shed right, that much. They don't have to no, shed they, that much. You're right. No, but I'm saying they would have to to make it work I guess long term to be able to sign him to a deal because part of this is if he got traded they could restructure this year and give him more money which he obviously I think would obviously want and is probably some leverage to possibly then get him to resign somewhere right it's well, similar to yeah I guess it'd be similar to I don't know if it's exactly but it's it's Kind of how what they did with Russell Westbrook when they redid his deal to get him to the Supermax, they're able to give some of that money to him in the current contract year too. So he'd be able to make, I think he'd be able to go up to like twenty or twenty something like that. So in long term, you'd to be like managed with everything in the tax wise. Like you'd have to probably give up one of those contracts, right? 
Because you yeah, have to sign I, I, I don't see. Too. I don't see. I don't see how they could. How they could really make it work. Yeah, I'm not really yeah. sure. How I mean, I think it would have to be Gordon Hayward. I think the people of Boston would be upset most if they lost Gordon Hayward. Um, With his, what ten minutes he played? Yeah, because there's there's just a lot of unanswered questions there, but. It is interesting, though, that the Celtics, with all of what they've they've done, um, if they were able to get Kawhi of all the teams to be able to be in that position to take advantage of of two incredible, probably, and I mean, what I would say, two top ten players when both healthy, who were upset with their current teams last year, the or towards the end of their deals, uh, demanding trades and really. Putting their current teams in bad. I mean, if Boston's able to get Kyrie and Kawhi, say that ten times fast, um, in back-to-back off seasons, that's crazy. Uh, but I mean, and that's like the preferred thing if they're trying to keep them off the West. I, as far as making it all work, the Lakers are the that choice because you you play where Kawhi does have the leverage in this case of like he's not gonna. If a team trades for him, sure, they can take the gamble, but this is the place he wants to go. The team that's trading with this person isn't going to give up enough unless they know they're going to be able to resign him. Right. So so I, I wanted to ask you guys this question. So if we're, if we're ignoring contracts here, or contract amounts, like the cap, really, but if you're thinking, like, you get Jason Tatum as a restricted free agent three years from now at, like, you know, between six and ten million over the next three years, or you can get Kawhi for next year. Would you trade Jason Tatum straight up for Kawhi? So I'm not trade. You know, I'm not really. I'm not consi- like. I mean, I guess I no. I mean, I would. And the chance if, of resigning him no, versus I, Jason Tatum's. I know, guess I'm not giving Jason Tatum up unless I know I can resign Kawhi. So that what it what if that, you if you knew you could? If I knew I could sign Kawhi, Jason Tatum straight up. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you couldn't, but yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, like as far as like, yeah, best player on in the package on either side. Yeah, yeah, I would because Boston's gonna. Boston wants to win now. I mean, they're they're in a position where they're kind of being able to do both, develop and win now. But them being the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years, I can't convince myself that they wouldn't want the ready to go now now player and Kawhi's. 28. So I mean, you're in his prime. You're gonna be able to get a really good six-year run out of that. Like you've 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 set yourself as a window right there. Kawhi's a champion, so in Kyrie as well. So you got two guys that have been proven to perform on that stage. I'm gonna take that guarantee. I mean, that's tough with Jason. T- I mean, the Jalen Brown piece is like the easy no-brainer. I agree. Jason right. Jalen Brown's been great, but he's. Uh, I mean, Kawhi's the upgraded finished product, best case scenario of what Jalen Brown type of player. So that's preferred. But if you're you're putting me in that situation, I'm going. I'm taking I'm taking Kawhi over either of those guys. I'd go Tatum. I love Tatum. He's so young and just young. <laughs> no, um, he's so young. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's what? He's 20 years old now. Uh, Not yet. Not even. He turns 20 this summer. You have him for three, four more years, like you said, at that cheap. I mean, and he's already performing in the playoffs. 
in that uh, Cavaliers series, he was the best player on his team, and just at times he didn't realize he it is twenty yet. now. Okay. He is twenty. He turned twenty in March. But he was the best player on the team in the Eastern Conference Finals at twenty years old. I gotta keep that and just roll with it, especially if it's cost effective. You can get other stars and free agency around him like they have. Mm, yeah. Oh, I mean, also, who are you taking? I think that if you can re-sign Kawhi, you take the sure thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lot of there's there's something to say about his injury though. Like, it scares me. Yeah, it's a little scary. I'm not a hundred percent sure that guy's gonna be exactly what he was before his Oop. his quad got hurt. Wasn't it the same injury that Tony Parker got, and he was fine? That's he's, Tony Parker's. Yeah. Apparently, was worse. <laughs> yeah. Tony so Parker. And Tony Parker, I think, won a. Finals MVP after that. I mean, he wasn't right. I'm not too, because the Spurs medical was all about like pushing that too that he was healthy and good to go. So I mean, right? They're gonna continue to push that now if they're trying to trade him. <laughs> but he's he's healthy and good to go. Uh, the the other Eastern Conference team we should talk about Kawhi potentially going to is the Cavs. So I don't know what you get out of that. You would have to get obviously you have to get the eight. But I don't know what else the Spurs are realistically going to take back out of that, that they're going to be even close to. I mean, we were already saying. Larry Nance, the, Kyle Korver, the eighth overall pick, maybe a future first. I'd want like two for what future, future first. I don't top. think they have any future first to be able to give up. Maybe right they now. don't. They're kind of they're kind effed of as far as that goes, as far as uh, – Future draft assets. Uh, so I get. Maybe it's K Love, though. K Love and Lamarcus Aldridge together sounds like the most boring ass basketball. Oh, that sounds like a nice. Spurs I, probably make it work, though. Probably, but I mean, then Pop should probably win a Nobel Peace Prize along with the Coach of the Year for like innovation in basketball. I don't know what. Like. Make up a new award to give him. He he becomes the greatest coach ever. Well, and this is all contingent upon work. this. All kind of hangs upon LeBron coming back to Cleveland, which it sounds like he may he's not he, hasn't shut the door on. Which I mean, we talked about. I mean, I was that's kind of where I was at at one point. Was that it? Just there's no no right fit for him. So yeah. So one thing. So Cleveland's next first round pick they have available is 2020. They could deal, but they can't deal both of those. They need to have. They can't have two, more than one year without a first round pick. So they could not give. They could only give them the Brooklyn or that pick. So they'd have to be able to give them like 2018, 2021. So leading to that though is part of the reason there's. LeBron's trying to possibly stay in Cleveland. Uh, I think that's. I guess Windhorse is saying that might be his preferred. Route is to find a way to make things work in Cleveland so he doesn't leave a second time. Uh, realistically, though, I think it's, you know, he he knows it. We all know it. There isn't anything there. They've tapped out the resources really to make that team any better and to add any players that are of our significance. I mean, the I don't see a package they could put together to bring Kawhi there and then also maybe get Paul George. You know, there's I don't think there's anything – to be able to do really there. Um, and they're overall, I mean, what we saw in the finals, they're 
pretty fucked, um, to use a, a little literal um, analysis there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's gonna go. I mean, partly I thought he would stay just because there isn't a directly like a, a landing spot for him outside of Cleveland either. But if he just signed his player option, signed somewhere next off season, there's a little bit more flexibility as far as available teams with cap space. Uh, but I mean, what do you guys think of the possibility of him staying in Cleveland? What what percentage would you give it, Ultra? Uh, I would say 10% chance he stays wow. in Cleveland. I was going to say 15%. <laughs> I just think he hates Dan Gilbert too much at this point. Like, I don't think he would sign long-term there, I, but running it back for a year is not completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, me. he, makes the, he makes it to the finals again, and maybe he signs and he gets, can get traded halfway through the season. I don't know. I mean... That would be crazy, but uh, I just I, I like it's a it's a nice last option for him. I mean, if because we're about ten days we're ten days away from him having to either pick up that player option or decline it is the deadline. So that's what the next ten days will be interesting from that. Because if he picks it up, it could be because he's saying, "Hey, I'm gonna." I mean, he can use that as leverage, like Chris Paul did, or. He's using it to, yeah, kind of just a mulligan pass this year, next year sign somewhere, which then makes me think Paul George stays in OKC for another year, and we kind of just mm. press pause on this all, and we move on to uh, look forward to next summer for the big splashes. My dream well. is that LeBron somehow finds a way to convince the Warriors that they're a legitimate candidate but fucks up their team chemistry. They have to trade more and two key players or whatever. People get upset so they can make room for LeBron. He goes in there and just tells them to go fuck themselves and then signs with the Lakers. Yeah. That won't happen, but that's my dream. If this was if this was draft day of the movie, yeah. NBA style, that would happen. But other than that... Let's make it happen. <laughs> That's some that's some Godfather shit right there. His book reading yeah. would uh, but um, to move Paul, on. Paul George is a is a big question mark. He what that guy ends up doing? It's gonna be. Yeah. So I mean, if if he and I could see, I mean, a lot of people speculate this, but yeah, seeing where LeBron's gonna try to gauge where everyone else is gonna fall first, and then really make his decision based off that, but. In my opinion, just how the league works, it's kind of like LeBron's got to decide where he's going to go and the other pieces kind of fall in line from there. Um, so, I mean, other kind of news, I think we'll, we'll wait till maybe next week. There was a couple player option declined by Rudy Gay, Jamal Crawford, some guys. So there's a secondary summer watch this, this that's occurring now. It's the ring chase and watch of... Right. Potential veteran players are all declining their player options in hope of going ring chasing. Um, so literally every guy that declined their options today were all being tied to if they were on the Warriors type of uh, scenario. So ring watch is also going to be competing with LeBron watch this offseason. Um, but I think it's time to transition into a little draft. And I, I think the only way we can really do that is talk about there, there's, there's a rise uh, coming in the basketball world, the, the sub-basketball culture. And that's in the, the shoe side of things. And Guys, how do you feel about Puma being uh, a basketball shoe you would wear? 
I mean, I am a pretty loyal Nike guy, uh, mainly because of my feet size. They're the only things that are really comfortable, uh, basketball shoe-wise. Uh, How big are your feet again? Uh, I mean, if we're going to get personal information out there. I I'm guess we are going to be talking about draft prospects. Give, I wear a size give 16. List, let's give the listeners some context. Yeah. That's all yeah. I'm saying. So anytime I put my foot in the mouth with my basketball opinions, it, no, it's a size 16 that I'm placing in there. So um, That'll get the job done. Yeah. So I personally have never found a Puma shoe comfortable. Uh, but Puma's been making some moves. They've signed DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley to deals as well as um, I'm is Zaire Smith also is he officially yeah Zaire Smith also so those three and they announced that Jay-Z is the going to be the new president of basketball operations for Puma and leading this this uh, the shoe brand the shoe segment of Puma um, Vince Carter was so these are the first signings they've had for their um, company since Vince Carter who actually I believe paid like $13 million to get out of his contract because the Puma shoes, his shoe, his branded shoe for Puma hurt his feet. Uh, so how do we feel about uh, Puma as a basketball shoe brand? Do they have, are they kind of chasing, uh, I guess, are, are they are they basically getting into a losing battle here? Or do you think Puma has a legitimate shot with their strategy of sign, going after the rookie class really and then, Obviously, bringing Jay Z in. Well, I'll first, let Taylor answer that first. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> guess I could let ask one of the other two people on here where they want to go with this. Um, first thing, they're fucking up just by going after big men specifically because big men don't sell basketball shoes. Like that's just DeAndre Aiden specifically signed with them though because he can be the lifestyle and shoe ambassador because he looks up to Usain Bolt and Rihanna and it's like within the Caribbean, I guess, and where he's. Um, what country is he from now? Now this is bad. He is he from Barbados? I, I actually no don't know. I'm looking this up. I'm sorry, everyone. I had this note in my thing. I closed out of it. Continue your take, Taylor. I was just going to say, big men don't really sell shoes. Uh, that being said, I've always, for the longest time, he's in a, the Bahamas. Okay, the longest time I was a big Nike guy. Uh, I recently made the switch to Adidas, and I love those a lot more than Nikes. Um, they're just more comfortable to me. Uh, you ever owned a no. Puma shoe? I have actually. They were okay. I like Puma clothing, but their shoes are at. Um, so I'm excited to see how this turns out, but I think it's going to go poorly just because big men don't sell shoes. No one wants to see a post player on the shoe. I mean, so Marvin Bagley signed the what's reported is the biggest rookie contract since Kevin Durant signed his original deal uh, with Nike. I, so we haven't seen yet what DeAndre Aiden's number is going to be. Those two guys are projected to be one in between the first and third pick. Uh, within the, so two top three guys. Uh, Ultra. What I mean, would you? What do you think of the idea of going after just rookies, high level rookies? There, there's no not been any reports. They they've they've signed. Re, they brought back Walt Frazier, who originally was their signature athlete. And they're going with rookies and bringing Jay Z. Like, is that enough for you to be interested in, like, seeing what the shoe looks like? Have you ever liked a Puma branded shoe? Well, I think it's interesting. They're just copying the big baller brand strategy of things, you know, just going after the rookies, 
which you wouldn't expect from a company that's actually pretty big and, and not you know starting completely fresh. But, but they need those balls. They need. They the need balls those. They don't need those balls. Uh, so I've owned one pair of sh- Puma shoes. They're baseball cleats. They were very uncomfortable. Oh, what? They were very uncomfortable, but they were suede and they were really fucking cool. So like, that's... suede baseball cleats sounds terrible. Like it's... they were hot. Yeah, they they I liked them. They were cool, but in general, I have to withhold my judgment on Puma too much until I actually see what kind of basketball shoe they put together. Because look, Nike's come out with their fair share of shoes that I'm not a huge fan of, but majority they put out pretty dope sneakers. Same with Adidas. Uh, but like the fascinating part to me about all this is how puma is trying to jump back into the basketball market right now like under armor they don't they're so give a little perspective at these companies sizes right so nike 121 billion dollar market yep. cap adidas just under 41 billion and then you have under armor at just under 10 and then yep. puma at seven and a half billion dollars so like this is a in comparison much smaller company now if they try to play the under armor role that's like i think i mean i haven't looked at total sales i'm sure nike is dwarfing everyone else but yeah i think under armor is probably like making money from steph like steph selling Uh, some sneaks under armor is still so the thing with under armor is that they're still kind of they're no they haven't really so under armor is really like from me looking at this like that's who they're kind of going after a little bit i think the idea is that if all these guys can take some share from nike but i think what puma's trying to do is at least either share it or or really try to compete with the under armor piece because under armor hasn't necessarily killed it as far as as the shoe they've been up and down i mean steph is yeah you're correct ultra is their signature but they really as far as sales go, aren't moving it's anything Steph, close. It's Steph, and then not really anyone else. Uh, which yeah, I mean they do a lot of a lot of their sales are still coming out of all of their apparel, a lot of their other uh, sure. verticals. They're not sure. the basketball operation is not something that's a, a well churned machine yet. Like they're still trying to figure out their place in the market. So to answer your question, though. I think it makes a lot of sense to go on rookies because it's yeah it, they have to allocate a little you got to put a little bit more money up front but if these guys hit it's going to grow your brand so quickly like yeah i was listening to uh so bs did a, a pod with Kyrie, and at the end of it he he brought up how how popular Kyrie's shoes are and, Ky- they're and really well designed they're good and a, designed shoes. they look good B, they feel good. They are like really great to play in. They're just structurally yeah. sound. They're cheaper than several other options, but they're also like Kyrie's just a, a huge hit with younger kids who also right. want to wear these. And yes. you're getting rookies who are way more likely to resonate with younger NBA fans and buy the sneakers. So it, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'm if anyone can kind of turn this into something, it's probably Jay Z. I'm also interested to see how this is all gonna work with you know Kevin Durant represented, you know by by Jay Z's agency, but then Kyrie signed with Nike. Like Jay Z can kind of funnel people to Puma through his 
you know, through his uh, agent, like his his agency, Jay Z might might have you know. This is just a, the whole story is really really fascinating. I'm I'm looking forward to see. I think that they have to sign somebody big because there are some guys out there that don't really have big sneaker deals. Like Kawhi's about to be up. They gonna throw money at Kawhi? Who knows? Yeah, no, that's that's part of this. The part of the Kawhi piece is. There is a there's an underlying piece of him getting to a bigger market for the sh- on the shoe aspect of of things because his deal is coming up. I um I would agree. I like the rookie strategy. I mean, my thing is more of that Marvin Bagley DeAndre Aiden piece. Uh, DeAndre Aiden being like the lifestyle piece too. I think like internationally they might be able to do well. I don't know if domestically you're going to see them gain as much. I mean, Puma is a brand. Uh, internationally is is a little bit more popular than than Under Armour. So I mean, if they're going more at it with the global angle, I I think they have a, a chance. Uh, I also think pricing wise, they're definitely going to have to hover around that hundred dollar mark. I don't think you can really go over a hundred dollars with these shoes with these guys right away because neither DeAndre or Marvin Bagley, in my opinion, are like a definitive number one kind of like staple piece that you can really have at this point. Yeah, you, you're like you hit the nail on the head, Ultra. They grow into that, they develop. Uh, there's potential, but I don't think any of those guys, their first, second, third shoe, I don't know if those guys personality-wise has enough to really make you want to buy it. Like, Kyrie's a very outgoing, very interesting personality, and I, I think his uh, just just his general approach, like for kids, like you said, which I 100% agree. Like, kids are attracted towards guys like Kyrie, like Steph, because of, of their they, they they do a really good job of being able to communicate. They're well spoken and they're able to. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They're just they're cool. Like their style of basketball too is just fun and it's cool. It's exciting. So to Taylor's point a little bit, like big men wise. They haven't moved shoes at the same volume as as guards normally do. I think Marvin Bagley has the potential if he, he is good enough. Uh, but you know, at the same time, like fashion is is become such a part of the NBA that it's uh, Puma is definitely has that niche as far as being looked at as a, a fashion brand. Uh, and my favorite golfer, you know, uh, Ricky Fowler, he's pretty popular with the youngins. So I mean, if they can get the Ricky Fowler of uh, of basketball, they might be all right. And the Pumas always had like very colorful looking shoes and, and stuff that pops. So I think if they go that direction and stuff that's going to stand out, be a little different, they they might have a shot here. Uh, and it's, yeah, then it just comes down to the player player name behind that shoe. How pissed do you think they'd be if uh, Bagley and Aiden go one and two? So they're all their shoes are primarily purple. <laughs> that would be. Uh, I think Puma would probably make it easier for him, but uh, yeah, but still, like you want to have yeah. some. Yeah, I know, I know. You want to have some stuff. I mean, there was reports that they were looking at Trey Young. I mean, Trey Young to me seems like a guy. He makes the most sense to me. That would be a guy that if you're going to be a lead, like I don't want to be on the Bulls, but uh, I think maybe if they're going this strategy, like if they could add Trey Young into this too. That's a good three-headed front to at least see you know who could maybe be your lead. Uh, the lead of your your shoe brand to at least to start, um, but 
folks, we, we we all came here for some draft talk though, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get this this draft talk popping. So I, I want to do a few things here. So we were talking about Marvin and DeAndre, but we're not really sure what the Suns want to do. I don't have any confidence in the Suns front office. I think they're the worst front office in the NBA right now. Uh, Ryan McDonough, I think, sucks, uh, and I think you know he's going to feel the pressure, and he will probably lose his job if he doesn't hit on this pick. But let's start with you, Taylor, uh, as, as guest. We'll let you go first here. Who do you think should be the number one pick, and then who do you think the Suns will go with? I really do think it should be Doncic. Um, I love that dude. He's so fucking awesome, and people say he's not a great athlete, which. It's fine, but he's also not a terrible athlete, and he's 18 years old. Like He's got a little baby fat, but he can get more athletic, and he's just wins and knows how to play. And then, like, you watch those EuroLeague games, that dude is flipping the fuck out at grown men and putting them in their place. So, like, I don't know. I think that dude will just be able to will a team to win. That being said, they're taking Aiden. I 100% believe they're going to go with Aiden. I buy into all the reports. And I get it, just because that is a giant motherfucker. And at the end of the day, if he doesn't pan out, at least you can say, I picked the giant athletic motherfucker instead of the weird European kid who might not be in good shape. And he played at a school that's located in the same state that that's your it. basketball team's located in. It helps the marketing out a little bit. So you think Doncic is the best player in this draft? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm an ignorant person that's seen his YouTube clips. They look good, but I'm just, like, not sure if I'm – I haven't been sold on the hype. I've seen more and more people get bit converted over to be believers. I mean, he's accomplished a ton at being 19. in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, he's he's playing right now in that uh, – I forget the tournament's name now. But it's interesting. I – yeah, I just don't know how he fits basketball-wise with, with that team. But, I like, we talked last week – as far as like best available player, I think in this draft of all, like that's kind of what you have to figure out is who those guys are. So, um, I guess from that perspective, I mean, Alter, do you believe in in Doncic at all? I mean, you were you've always kind of you've been kind of trying to talk me into it at points, but sitting here Monday, drafts Thursday, where do you think the Sun should go? Yeah, so uh, we talked about this a little bit last time too, but I'm I'm huge. I'm so high on Doncic. Huge. Like, I think I think that that guy is going to be a playmaker from day one. He doesn't have – he's not super explosive, not crazy athletic, good shooter, great passer. He's going to be really good. He seems the safest pick to me. And do you know what also yeah. is really nice to have is a is a big wing that can switch other positions, you know, as opposed to just he's, big men that are going to get played off the floor in the playoffs like DeAndre Ayton and Mo Bamba and all these other guys. Like – I am so triggered by looking at, yeah. at so many mock drafts of just big man after big man after big man. And I gave Bagley a little hard time last time or our last podcast. I think that – All year. I think that he translates better than many because I think you could play him at the four if you wanted to play a really big lineup. You could slide him to the five. He's going to get bullied until he gets a little bigger. But I, I, Bagley is my favorite amongst those prospects. I don't get it with Aiton. I just don't really get it. I mean, he's seven one, two sixty or something like that. Built, he's strong, and then he has a forty one inch vertical, or at least he tested a forty one inch vertical. 
I mean, DeAndre Aiden is kind of the the what you would think as far as the modern big man, and and is unless you like your to your point, Ultra, if he's not able to stay on the court in closing minutes, you don't yeah you don't take him with number one. I think a lot of it is the idea he's nineteen, yeah seven seven one two sixty, and he's athletic enough that he should be able to stay and be able to be an impactful player, rim protector during in these games. Uh, most of most of the flashy, you know, when you look at his highlight tapes, it's a, it's a lot of just two hand dunks, just yeah. to get just Who's being that? free at the rim. Like that's great. Yeah, Shaq did that too. Yeah, Shaq did that too. This guy's not Shaq. I I just I, I didn't really I didn't really see that he wasn't really that refined. He's got a good yeah. looking jumper, but he wasn't really using it in college. Is he going to be able to use it in the NBA? Well, I don't know. So that I mean that's a bigger thing I did want to try to get to here, but just to stay on this. Uh, so you guys are a little more like I don't just I mean Doncic seems good I mean but I want to see that real impactful player. I get the idea of like safeness, but I just don't know if what more you elevate from. Can Doncic play defense? Really, I don't like. Is he even known as struggle. that, or is he just like average? I mean, he kind of does what LeBron does, and what I've seen, where just year fifteen, he, LeBron, or like year like year twenty ten. Oh, so he just he just takes plays off because he does so much on offense. I've noticed, but like when oh. he when it gets down to clutch time, I feel like he can lock in and stay in front of people. That makes me a little nineteen years old. He should be taken off on defense if you can play it. <laughs> Probably not, but I mean, I don't know. I know me not being hyped on Lucas Doncic is probably showing my ignorance in, in, like, a lot of ways, and I'm comfortable with that, and I, like, hope I'm wrong about it. I mean... James Harden did the same thing when he was that age. Like, he never really tried a defense. But he wasn't... Yeah, I mean... And he wasn't a great athlete. Still isn't. James Harden's more... Doesn't get noted for it. That's But that's saying the perception of James Harden maybe isn't, but... He's athletic. Like, he's oh, yeah. pretty athletic. Like, for... But, yeah, he came into the league that was some baby fat, and he had room to grow athletically, and I'm saying, I think Doncic can do the same. Well, Alter, do you agree with that? Yeah, I... Look, he's... None of these guys are complete prospects coming into it, but Luka mm-hmm. doesn't have any glaring red flags in my mind. That's why okay. I, he, he's safe. He gives you playmaking. He's going to make at least keep you honest from three, and maybe he improves in that area. But he can help. Like, if you look at these teams at the top, I think if you're the Suns, he fits in next nicely next to Booker. And he's a guy yeah. that you can play at the three for years to come. Like, the only problem there is that, okay, well, they don't really have, like, Marquise Chris is your four. Is he really your four? Do you no. want to go forward with him? No. Probably not. I, and nope. you you just dropped it, drafted Josh Jackson. So, like, that's okay. You know, I'm not I. High I I don't think you have to be any commitment to Josh Jackson right now. I think we said this last week. His name isn't De- as long as you think he can play with Devin Booker and you think he's the best player. That's right. who they need to take. Then if the Kings, they're a mess. He'd obviously fit in with that team and give them some playmaking they desperately need. Same with the Hawks. And then if he slides all the way to Memphis, this is ridiculous. And that's yeah. apparently a possibility. And yeah. I think the Grizzlies would be going. Ape shit if they got if they got at four. 
Yeah, that? if they got Doncic at four, I think they'd be thrilled. And that would be yeah. like the Grizzlies are Grizzlies are a little scary if they have Gasol, Doncic, um, and obviously Gasol Conley. or uh, Conley, Conley coming back healthy. You know. Yeah. I mean, based on that though, like, yeah, what you guys are saying about the safe pick, like, it makes me surprised that the Suns wouldn't take him in some ways. Like, if he is, if the ceiling on him is. The high, or his his basement is the highest of some of these guys. Well, I yeah. still think Aiton still has a pretty high basement, just because. I mean, with his current skill set, just his athleticism, I think he walks into the NBA and it's a top twelve center yeah. right now. So That's... as long as he doesn't just give up on playing basketball and like he just does the bare minimum to maintain what he's doing. He's going to be a top ten center for most of his career. Yeah, and I guess to wrap up on the Doncic piece, just I mean, so Woj came out and was saying that the the Mavericks are definitely have have Doncic number one on their board, looking to they went from wanting to trade out of the top five to now maybe looking to trade up, or I mean, if they're just seeing him drop, like it doesn't look like he's going to go past five uh, to the Mavs there possibly. Um, it just I, I do think in some ways it's it just that international aspect but I mean they're playing at this point I, I will say European basketball and like they're playing pro basketball there like it's not some of this crap from college and the college games really made it tough to evaluate especially all these one and done guys to really see where where they're going to fall it, a lot of it really comes down to you know if they luck out and they get to a system in college that they're going to be able to show their talent and this year, more than ever, I will say, you're hearing a lot of guys talk about, oh, I just wasn't playing the right system to show my true abilities. These are things like really selling that component. So it depends on what these individual workouts, what they see. Um, I mean, I've been on this all year. Uh, I'm going to be sick of hearing it. This is the last time you're going to have to hear it from me as a pre-draft thing. I, I think Marvin Bagley is the best player in this draft. Uh Ultra's going to say there's some Shocking. bias in there. <laughs> I I think all, all around what you're trying to do in the NBA, like scoring-wise, like with those three teams, especially those three teams at the top, like there's no reason any of those teams shouldn't want him. Uh, Defense? Five. There's no one. I mean, yeah, but... What position no, is he? So I think he is a really easy chance. Like as a, as a four, I think there's... That's a clear fit for him. What I'd like to see is him to be able to, yeah, add that weight to what you're saying, Ultra, to go and, and to be a little bit of a mixed stretch four or five. I, he's able to score off the dribble perimeter-wise enough that he gives them a threat and he's able to expand the floor. But, yeah, you want to try to see if you can make him solid enough inside. I mean, athletically, he, he at least, I will say, a Duke, like, I mean, Wendell Carter being there, he didn't really get to show it as much. But, I mean, there were moments where he was able to uh, be a rim protector. I just don't think it's his natural, like, tendency is to want to do that. Which, I mean, that's a lot of guys. I mean, you're not going to convince him of that. But I do think he's going to be able to score in the league uh, just off of where his range is and where he's able to get his shot off. It's... It's going to be, yeah, like you mentioned, some of it's going to be that physical piece of it. And 
how versatile can he really be? Because I will, I will say, like, right now, if you look at him, he is limited from the perspective of, like, you probably need to put him in, like, a stretch four type of role. And that would be his initial start. All three of the top three teams need one of those. And it's like, if that's where he's going to start and can at least be successful and you expand around that, I think you're, you're going in a positive direction. Now, I would certainly love if he could go to the Bulls. Uh, I think he would fit really well with what the Bulls need. Um, and that is 100% a homer uh, opinion. I won't hide from that piece of it. Uh, I, I think he could possibly, at least in my opinion, I would like to project him to be someone that can be, play between a three and a five in the NBA and just mold in with this positionless basketball. He's enough in there that he's going in that direction. Uh, but there's a guy that a lot of people gave similar grades to coming out of high school, a guy that's been getting a lot of news the last week. Uh, in some negative, I have a little conspiracy with this, but Mr. Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to have a workout in Chicago on Thursday, and then there was reports he wasn't going to have it, he was canceling it, he was going to have to uh, reschedule it, uh, and then, because he was having hip spasms, and, and in general, they weren't sure if he was going to be able to work out, got rescheduled to Friday. What do we think about Michael Porter Jr. as a prospect? Ultra, let's let me hear what you got to say about about this guy, because and then I'll let Taylor go, and then I got a little conspiracy theory on this this whole thing. So all I really know about the guy is that he's like perfect, exactly what you want in an NBA body. If you he's drew him six, up. Yep. He's almost six eleven. He can move. He he's the guy that you like. Probably is not going to really use the record one to guard fives, but like. He can really guard two through four, maybe even switch onto ones for some possessions, no problem. And he, I mean, I think that he was the number one overall prospect going into last year, uh, going he into the college two. basketball season, maybe one or two. Bagley was one. But we've barely seen anything from this guy. But what we have seen off the court has been nothing but bad for the most part here. Yeah. Injury concerns, character concerns just his ability to be able to fit in with Missouri in the very limited time he was there. So he's more of a boomer bust prospect. I wouldn't like I would be going after a few wings in this class that are are more dependable than Michael Porter, but I can understand if if you're a team that has some wings already and it is like just most of these teams that are picking in the top 8 like if he fell to eight for the Cavs and they wanted to take a swing for Porter, I totally get it. But if you're if you're sitting in the top five, I'm picking someone that I'm really confident is going to be a piece going forward, and that would not be Michael Porter for me. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go off of pedigree, he's definitely – you'll have a pedigree hype beforehand. Like, he's got the highest ceiling, and maybe that's just because of not – seeing much and we don't know what he is you don't know what he is and there's a mystery and like you Walter said perfectly he is what you manufacture as far as if you're closing your eyes and what you'd say you'd want out of a modern NBA player great ball handler the Kings are evidently still interested in Porter at number two taking him at two I mean if they see this the the potential as him being like the guy 
do you take that risk, Taylor? Do you go with him, injury concerns or not? Because it could just be growing pains. It could just be as far as, like, growing into his body, just a bad stretch. Like, do you want to, if you're the Kings and, like, where you're positioned right now with your team, could the Kings really absorb taking the risk, like, on a Michael Porter? If I take him at two, hell no. Um, what if you're trading? Let's do both. If two, no. What if they traded down a few picks? If they got to, like, say the Bulls had seven and got a prospect on top of that, more power to them, go for it. They're going to be bad next year and the next year. So what? why not swing at them and then add more prospects? But tall dudes with back injuries scares the hell out of me. And then also showing up to the combine uh, kind of out of shape scares the hell out of me. And then the hip injury, that's a corrective injury from the back, which means he didn't prepare correctly. So that scares the hell out of me too. He talks a big game, but and how when he went in in the uh, whatever round they were in the tournament, I forget. Um, they lost the first round, yeah. Yeah, they lost the first round. The dude was just throwing up shots, which, A, I admire the confidence, but at some point you got to start giving it to other people and if it's a game that matters. If it's regular season, you just come back, sure, go for it. Throw up as many shots as you want. But when the bright lights are on and it actually matters if you win, you miss eight shots, give it to someone else. That All that stuff scares the hell out of me. That being said, if he's at seven for the Bulls, I'll take him. I'll be happy. So, that leads into my conspiracy. So, part of what I think some of this was, and so I do think if the Kings were to move back, I mean, so the, the real argument comes with a lot of this is that, like, this injury risk piece, and you look at what the Sixers have done the last couple of years, and they've ended up with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and no one is saying a negative thing about where the Sixers are at, even though it took those guys a few years to get here. Um... Michael Porter is being compared to a lot like the Harry Giles approach that the Kings took last year, taking him. That was much later. That wasn't the number two pick. If they do look at trading back, you know, they, they do think he can get there. And like Taylor said, that seven to probably that six to ten range, like there's potential he could fall. They're able to acquire more assets and still get the guy that maybe they value. Um, that could be actually a savvy move by the Kings. But my theory is this, is that there, so this report comes out that he's not, he's, he has to reschedule, he's not going to be able to do his Thursday workout. Soggy's canceling all together in Chicago. Um, and then he comes out and basically says, no, we're scheduling it to Friday. Uh, well, the Bulls couldn't attend the Thursday workout. Um, and then all of a sudden... This news comes out, so he has to cancel Thursdays. But Friday comes around, and the Bulls are able to attend that workout. And Michael Porter Jr. says hips fine, just you know, morning of he just wasn't able to do it. And I think he's he's from uh, Seattle. Saint, no, Michael Porter's not. No, he's from uh, St. Louis area. He went to high school in Seattle, I think. All right. Well, now oh, Taylor's challenging that. my. But going off that conspiracy. Oh no, I know. I'm yes. You're. I know what I'm thinking. Uh, he played AAU with a kid that. No, he's no. He's from Columbia, Missouri. Oh shit, I was wrong. He's from yeah. He's relatively close. Uh, 
My theory is he kind of did this to possibly position himself, at least give the Bulls, they'll see him for a second workout, because I do think the Bulls stay at seven. Like, he's a very high chance to run the more and more we get close to this. Because uh, I don't think the Bulls necessarily want to not be in the top ten next year either, and if they can keep a guy on the shelf for a year. Uh, and I think he, what I have a sense of this guy, is very much so he's aware of the other markets he could possibly go to. I think he would rather be in Chicago than Sacramento. And it comes to other, you know, potential off off the court opportunities for himself. Uh, so I kind of have a feeling some of this is, yes, he is in, been injury plagued. Now, if he can use this to his advantage to find himself in the right spot at this point, like, might as well do it because the dollar value isn't going to be that much different if he gets picked 6th or he gets picked 10th. Uh, so I kind of think he's using this a little bit to possibly position himself at least that the Bulls have the option to take him at 6. Now, there's a few other guys I think the Bulls would take over him still. So kind of. But going as a bull, all, as a know. Bulls fan, you guys really want Michael Porter. That's what I'm having a tough time wrapping my mind around. I don't know at this point. I don't want it to be Trey Young, and that's all I can tell you. I agree with PJ. There. Neither do the dogs. We don't want Trey Young in Chicago. Uh, the picks are in, and Trey Young is not our choice. We've got chaos going on here all of a sudden. What the hell is going um, on over there? Don't it's worry my about it. it's my faulty doorknob that's going to result in some more dog input. So. Everyone can enjoy my uh, my daily life here. Um, oh, but real quick, going back to PJ's comp- conspiracy theory. Uh, let me know if the dogs are barking too much. Um, Michael Porter Jr.'s agent is a longtime friend of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, who's another one of his clients is Chandler Hutchinson, who the Bulls have uh, already said that they will draft Chandler Hutchinson at 22. So that promise may have been something to do with the agent trying to slip in to get Michael Porter. All conspiracies theory bullshit, but it is something there. I mean, it's weird that you get a promise any time ever. Yeah. I just don't see him that going that high. Like, if you, you have other wings that are that are much more established than Michael Porter in the top ten still. Like, what do you think of Kevin Knox? Kevin Knox, I've been trying to talk myself into Kevin Knox all week because athletically he's there. Um, but mentally, I mean, the dude took so many shots with his foot on the line and like on the three-point line or like a step back on the three-point line. He just takes so many dumb shots and then his balance is off on a lot of his shots when he's not spotting up, which bugs me. And then lastly, uh, he doesn't check the box for my pretty boy theory, which is you can't be good at sports if you're ugly. And that is an ugly motherfucker. Yeah, Kevin, KK, not not the best looking dude in the world, but I think he's still, I mean, he's 6'9", 6'11", wingspan. He can score. He's athletic. He's big. I, I, I'm not against Kevin Knox. I, like... You're right. His his shot like his shot selection's not very good at Kentucky. I'm optimistic that if you put him behind an NBA three point line and give him a little more space, he would be better. The other thing, so again, I'm I'm not against him as much. Like I, if the Bulls took Kevin Knox, I'd be 
happy with that too ish. Um, I'm not there at that. But uh, I ain't about that life either. It bugs me that he was the highest prospect uh, that went into Kentucky, I believe, and he kind of forfeited the team over to Shea Gilgis Alexander, however you pronounce it. Point guard, I'm okay with that. In a Cal's program, it's the point guard kind of is supposed to. Speaking of. Speaking of point guards, should we have this Trey Young, yes. Colin Sexton yeah. conversation? Yes. Yes. We we should most certainly. So I'm going to come out and say, like, I'm a, I'm a hater on the Trey Young front. I'm sorry. I alluded to it last week. If he turns out to be the next Steph Curry, I'm willing to throw my hand up, say I was on the wrong side of that. Um. I think he's got an uphill battle when it comes to being able to score in the NBA. And physically, he's got a lot to get to where he needs to be, I think. And I didn't see enough of him consistently in college. On the other hand, I'm a big fan of Colin Sexton. I am going to be honest that I realized a lot of the reasons I liked Colin Sexton throughout college is a lot of the hype you get for guys like Alfred Payton and some other guys who turned out to be a little bit of a dud where it's like, yes, he has a lot of intangibles leadership-wise, intensity. Um, but the dude is a, is a badass who also, uh, let's be noted, Alabama had to play with four guys at one point, and he was owning shit still <laughs> when they only had four guys on the court and some weird-ass college basketball shit that only would happen there. Like, he's just got a little bit of an edge to him. Same reason I really can like fell in love, started to really like DeAndre Fox was because of that. De'Aaron. De'Aaron Fox. I, I literally do a solid sign. You love De'Aaron him, Fox. and you don't even know his name, PJ. I just get caught up in the moment. I forget how to pronounce his first name. You're I'm just sorry, flustered. Uh, yeah, I'm being corrected once again uh, by the dogs on this uh, this draft pod. The, I didn't know we were gonna have a five person pod, or three person and two dog pod. Um, and uh, to wrap up, I'm going to get your guys' takes here, but like, I see Colin Sexton as the, the better point guard in this draft. There's a lot of the Gildress Alexander hype that's been going around now, but just point guard guys, NBA is, is full of them. Like, where do we see? Who do you guys think is the best? I'm going Colin Sexton. I know Ultra. I think you're on the, the Trey Young front, front, though, right? I have a tough time. Well, out of these two prospects, yeah, I'm more Trey Young. But if you we're talking, Gilgris, are you more Gilgris Alexander? He's tough just because I don't. You didn't really get to see him play like a pure point guard position like he would in the NBA. Right. Like great size. He's a, he shot forty percent from from three at Kentucky, although not super high volume. But I, I he's a he's a very intriguing prospect. I I think that uh, like. The Suns taking a chance on him later in the draft would maybe be a, like they have the 16 pick. I, I could see him going there. That'd be wild but, if he fell yeah. that far. I don't think he's falling that far anymore. Trey Young, Trey Young, I think he he has he, I, he's boomer busts. I think like I yeah, think that Trey Young is going to be like a star, or he can't really do a ton if the ball's not in his hands. I mean, like maybe he can learn to play off ball. And run an offense and just shoot threes at a forty percent clip in the NBA, but he can't. He's going to have a tough time just defending anybody. Just like you said, he's not a big guy. 
six three. Uh, can certainly move. He's but not six three. He no, is like six one. Oh, excuse me, six one wingspan. Yeah, no, my bad. I look at the wrong thing. And he is six one. I'm six eight. Yeah, just teeny teeny point guard. That's gonna. I think the thing about him is that he's just he is incredible on the offensive end. Like he's the best, more ref, refined point guard offensively in the draft. And probably the guy that every NBA marketing department would like to have their team draft because they can market him as next next Steph Curry, and that's really fun to do these days. Sounds like something the Knicks would do at nine. I actually really like the idea of him at the Knicks. I'm good with that idea, but I just don't see – I mean, Cleveland Cleveland can take him if LeBron's not there. It's just Uh, funny because I've seen Trey Burke comparisons with Trey Young, and – the Knicks already have Traper. <laughs> yeah. But why have one when you can have two? Yeah. yeah. They can show they can together become the best version of the best trade they possibly can be. There you go. Yeah. Um but no, I, I hate Trey Young too. So <sighs> Yeah. Trey <laughs> Young hate on this end of the mic. Suck it, Ultra. Thanks. Um, good. Real quick though, I do think the if just get my two cents in. I think uh, Trey Young on Orlando would be nice, just because they don't have anyone else who can score. So that's I like the ideal situation for him, where he can just run in and just run around, and do Trey Young things, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, they're going to be the this spot anyway. It's the magic. Yeah. That is uh, that. I think I said last, or maybe I said it off. Yeah, we were talking about that last time. I I said I think it'd be hilarious if he went to the Magic. Um. So let's. Let's do uh, two two more things here with the draft. Um, first off, I know Taylor is kind of getting to some sleepers here, but who are the guys for both of you that you are either as far as just like you're highly confident in? Might that might not be the best player you're saying, but just like confident they will be an NBA player. And are there any sleepers out there, and Taylor? This is why I want to bring you on. You are Mister. I like to call you Mister Mister Outside the Lottery. You uh, you love picks for you love picks fifteen through thirty. Uh, who do you see? I guess in that sleeper kind of area that you really really like. I heard you. I know you're talking about Chandler Hutchinson. I was going to say I hate to be a homer, but going through all those guys, he's the guy I like the most outside of. 15. Um, and, and Taylor, can people, we have a quick – I cannot let you get back. Who did you compare him to to me when you brought this up? I said John Salmons. Um, I think if you get John Salmons at 22, that's a fine player. He averaged 17 a game for – or, uh, yeah, 17 a game for like two to three years. Can start for 10 to 12 years. Or maybe not start, but – He can, ain't starting to – John Salmons didn't start 10 yeah. years in the league. He can probably start five to six years, but play 10 to 12. Um Get consistent minutes. Uh, he's six seven. The dude has a decent enough shot. Um, he's quick twitch jumper. Um, not necessarily the fastest guy, but he plays with great change of pace. And uh, just when he decides to jump at the rim, it just happens like a snap. It's just really quick. So I do like Chandler Hutchinson a lot. I think he'll be good at point two for the Bulls. Uh, besides that, I love Robert Williams. I think he is an NBA center um, starting today. He's just the prototypical rim-running center that half the NBA is going with right now. Um, 
but I think he's more of a lottery than post lottery. And then uh, just quick hitters, I think the um, two guys that skipped college and overseas altogether, Anthony Simmons and Mitchell Robinson, are just fun prospects just because yes. you don't see that often. So Mitchell Robinson, I think, has more of a bust potential. But that being said, yes. he is prototypical uh, rim-running center from the looks of it. I mean, that dude looks like Clint Capella, just skinnier because he's younger. Yeah, he is more of like where his head's at. And, and just I think that there's some more off-the-court issues with him than there is talent-wise. Um, I've got – I mean, I, I want to hear what we'll all trust to say here as far as some of these, these guys these, – Middle tier guys. I mean, I think lottery wise, there's this draft has been pretty much described as like a seven to eight player draft. It's very top heavy, but I do see some potential with some of these guys down low. So I mean, Ultra, where are some of your eyes? Where's where's your eye been wandering as far as some of these other some of the other names that maybe the listeners haven't been as familiar with or hearing as much about? Yeah, so there's, there are two guys that are just outside of the top ten that I really like, and then another guy that will probably fall the second round, too. But Miles Bridges is a guy that I've always liked since he, he's been at Michigan mm. State. Good size, a little more Convince uh, me on this one, Ultra. Defensively. This, convince me on this. I'm, I'm kind of I'm more out on Miles Bridges. So I think Miles Bridges is a pretty good rebounder for how big he is. I think people are kind of worrying a little bit about how long he is. He's not doesn't have a very big wingspan. I would he's be not one as of long people. as some of the, these pro- prospects, but he's proven that he score can score for two years in Michigan State. I think that he can. He's going to be able to shoot the three and spread the floor and play three four in the NBA, and that's more valuable. And there aren't a ton of guys that. Can, they can do that, and the guys that can do that usually make $15, $20 million a year in the NBA. Um, Zaire Smith is another guy that I like. Now, the knock on him is that he's not a great three-point shooter, and he's going to play the wing, but he is like next-level athlete, um, and he shot okay from three. He just didn't wasn't did not shoot very much from three this season at Texas Tech, but he could fit in a team that has like doesn't exact, exactly expect him to play a big role right away and kind of let him develop a little bit more. Uh, but I could see him being a really good defender in the NBA, uh, not to mention just like a crazy good slasher on, on a number of teams. But then uh, the guy that I really like in the second round is Jalen Brunson out of Villanova. Uh, yeah. He's like, I don't think he's going to be, you know, starting point guard on an NBA finals yeah. team, but that guy could run your second unit for like 10 years. I think this guy is, is ready, just ready to play right now. There's, there aren't many holes in this game. Good defender, great passer. I, I think he's the what people want to pretend that Fred Van Vliet is. I was going to yeah. say Chris Duhon 2.0. Maybe that. Yeah, I, it's just like if you're going to get him in the second round, like, yes, great. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, I uh, I can't. Yeah, Jalen Brunson. I'm. I have to say, overall, like all the Villanova guys, not named David Divincenzo. I'm like or Dante Divincenzo. I'm in on. 
Um, Omar Spellman has been a guy that I've been looking at that I'm like, ooh, that would be a fun second round pick. Um, Jalen Brunson is saying, like, I, Jalen Brunson was a badass in college. Um, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I, I'm like him as far as, like, a value towards the end of the – if you need a guard, you need that, yeah, second unit type of player. I don't, uh, I don't see how you can't go there. I do have to plug my uh, Gary Trent here because if he ends up going to the damn Warriors, we've all screwed things up. To be honest, I think he is like perfect for the Warriors. I am. I mean, Wendell Carter says this a lot. Gary Trent said it too, like that they both really didn't. And Wendell Carter's been saying it about Gary Trent, like their college games. I don't think really showed everything that they are able to do. Uh, and I think Gary Trent has the potential to be an elite shooter in the NBA. And it's crazy to me that. With that ability, so many people are hesitant on him. Physical build pedigree before coming to Duke was all there. Um, I was disappointed in him at points, but his ability to make shots, like that guy has something that a lot of teams need, especially in those middle rounds. I'm really hoping for some reason, and it would be the best, is if he somehow found his way to the Bucks as another guard and a perimeter guy uh there's the defense, so much homer in this take i know i as far as where i want him to go yes i would shocking like him to go. that your favorite player and your biggest sleeper are both two guys that you want to go to the bulls and that you want to go to the bucks no i want him <laughs> yes to go i think he should go he should go to a lot of other teams but he's like based on his Ability like I just see him at least being like a KCP type of player. Take that what you will, but you put that on a lot of teams right now, and I think that has value. Uh, and I just it's crazy to me that he's in that like bottom five to second round type of player. Um, I could be completely wrong on that. Yeah, maybe, but he's he's one dude in particular that I've just not been able to figure out why. He's taken him so it, it, like throughout this process he has not gone up anyone's board so we'll, we'll see I mean it would be great if someone just was really good at holding that keeping that close to the vest and they take him in a spot another guy uh, Kevin Huerta from Maryland I'm only saying this because Hoops Hypes compared him to Fred Hoiberg so personally fuck your DeAndre and fuck Marvin Bagley only time I'm going to say that but Kevin Huerta should be a son. I mean, this is a can't-miss guy right there. If you get Fred Oiberg, I mean, who else? What other do you need to say? Best basketball player ever. Now, that's a homer take, Ultra. Um, yeah, at least you're consistent. And finally, I do want to end. We start with the Villanova. We're going to end on the Villanova. I've really convinced myself to like Miles Bridges. Mikel Bridges? Mikel Bridges. Not Miles Bridges. I'm out on Miles Bridges. Mikel Bridges, I am... I have, I've really convinced myself on this. Are you like, sure you don't want to talk about Wendell Carter? Yeah. I, you sure? I could if you want me to because I also <laughs> nah. think he's a very good – I just think <laughs> no. with Wendell Carter, there's – No, 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 no. The ceiling no. is – like he – Wendell Carter is what Jason Tatum was last year as far as you basically – he's got everything he's going to have. He's going to get slightly better at it, but I don't think he's going to be able to really add a, another level. Like he's pretty much the basis of the player he's going to be. 
Mikel Bridges entices me. Like, I don't know. There's nothing about him specifically that will jump off, but I think as an overall player, he could turn into something. And he very slightly, just the, the talk around him reminds me of what was happening with Donovan Mitchell last year, where there's a lot of people who are saying, this guy is a good basketball player. But then it was like, eh, but I just, there was a lot of, there was a lot of the questions around him feel kind of manufactured. And not necessarily like a direct critique on a particular part of his game. It's just coming from that Villanova, that high. It just it seems like people are more they, they see a, a, a basketball player and they're like yes, he, this is a good basketball player. But we're for whatever reason we're outsmarting ourselves. We're like talking ourselves out of this guy more than we're bringing up. There's legitimate concern about a part of his game that can translate. And that always that's that's not worked like. There have been guys, like Donovan Mitchell is going to be the example I'm going to use, but it was that same kind of vibe where I didn't hear any red flag. It just was like, well, I don't, you know, we just don't know what his game's going to be like in the NBA, but he's a very solid basketball player. All right, well, where, where, where is the issue here? Where, where is the issue here with that? With, especially that he is in that two, three, like he'd be a, your, a, an extended perimeter player for you, which. Everyone said you know, you need those perimeter guys. Those those, and I think defensively he is going to be a very good player. But like you're getting comparisons to him as like uh, Otto Porter to Robert Covington type of guy. You can get him in the six to ten range. Like yes, that is great because at least on Otto Porter's side, that was a top three pick, and Otto Porter's a max level player. However you agree with it or not, like I'm good with that. And, and he's he's not even been in that conversation of those top that top five because Pedigree got a lot different than these other dudes, and it's I think a lot of it has to do probably because he's a, coming in as a junior. Uh, but look what happened with Donovan Mitchell last year. <laughs> like some guys just develop into their games, and I he just seems to me like a guy that we're gonna look back on after this time next year when we're doing this. Be like, God damn, we. Really overthought this Mikel this this, this Mikel Bridges thing. Like we really kind of just thought thought ourselves out of this one. I think if anyone's going to be Donovan Mitchell, it's going to be Lonnie Walker. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm just saying he's athletic at, as shit. Yeah, but what I don't know if that guy can score consistently or do. He shot like almost forty percent from three. That's probably like thirty-eight percent. Did he? I didn't know that. I'm gonna look that up. Actually, I could be completely wrong. But I, I thought he's Lonnie Walker. 34%. Ooh, never mind then. But still, yeah. he's got a good-looking shot. So <laughs> He's it's, athletic. He's, he's super, super athletic. athletic. He's got a good-enough-looking shot, and he can kind of handle the ball well enough to get past people. Yeah, it's just a guy that only has 11 points a game in college Yeah, that we're talking might be the next. Um, well, like, Jeremy. he's just... Go on. No, I just say I'm. I I I like him as an uh, as high upside, but mm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I think he if after ten he has the best potential. Sure. After ten, I'm if I, anyone is, that's got that's enough. That's what I meant by yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Just the person after the first. There's no way Donovan Mitchell should have been in that spot though. Like yeah. that's like kind of the he thing. Shot, yep. He was inconsistent in college too, though. Yeah, he was. He did shoot forty percent from three, though. 
Yeah, and he there like I was there's just nothing about him that was glaringly bad, which isn't necessarily a positive. Like there's Colin Sexton, probably part of the reason I like him is there's nothing I see glaringly bad about him as a point guard. Assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, but some of that's just mm-hmm. teammates. Let's uh, yeah. Let's let's move on to the green room segment, yeah. Peach. Yeah, yeah. We're running a little long here, but hey, you know what? It's the draft bonanza. We have to we have to give the people as much as we can, all for this pod, so they're ready to go for Thursday. And part of that Thursday is the agonizing moment when ESPN is going to be showing a guy sitting in the green room for far too long. Uh, so. Some of the names that are for sure going to be attending, we've got DeAndre Aiden, Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba, Colin Sexton, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, Michael Porter. A lot of guys we've been talking about. But there's some other names to, that are going to be attending here that we think might be the last guy to be way in the green room. So we're going to go around here and say who that, who that guy is. Um, so, Ultra, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think is going to be the last guy picked out of the green room group. Yeah, so, and this isn't really knocking him as a prospect because I like DiVincenzo, but I think that he's trying to capitalize on a bit of the hype they got, you know, him going off should. in the national championship game, which I don't think is a bad thing. Nope. But at the end of the day, he's, uh, he's a point guard with good size, but one that I think is going to have to play shooting guard in the NBA. And I think that he's he has there's a slight chance he falls out of the first round, but I think it's very late in the first when he gets taken. Like you think we're talking last five picks in the first, or yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's kind of the area where I'm my head's at this too. I am going to go with a guy that I'm saying this, and this is strictly because I just hate the idea of telling a person. You are our pick at 22 in the pre-draft. I hope Chandler Hutchinson is the last guy to get picked because he didn't go to the Bulls. And for whatever reason, and I want him to be able to yeah, just not be a Bull. If he is really the best player there, sure. But the idea of, of picking a guy and saying, you're going to be our pick at 22, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go to the green room. That's, I don't have to worry about anything. I mean, I feel bad for him because the he he just would have gotten hashtag Garpaxed, but um, I do because yeah, John Salmon's being your your best thing. Like he's been compared to Landry Fields a lot. That doesn't excite me. I, I want like as far as role players go. Yeah, I know, but I'd rather take. The, I'm always a high upside guy. Like I'm rather the let's. Like, you convinced me on on Terrence Ferguson last year because I'm like, all right, I mean that could be something. Like. Yeah. I'd rather go with that, like the dude that just fell because of uncertainty, but there's there's athletic intangibles there. I'd rather rather go that side. And, uh, so yeah, I'm kind of hoping Chandler Hutchinson's the last guy. But I, I think ultra your Dave Intenzo, I would agree he probably should be, but I do not think there's a second in hell he's the last guy. He is going to, if anything, I think he will get reached on a little bit. Which is not, I don't think, the smartest thing. But NBA GM is going to NBA GM sometimes, and they'll they'll go with that hype. But Taylor, who do you see here as the the last guy whose name's going to get called? Who's going to you know have that camera shot on him? 
So I do want to cheat and like preface one thing. I think Trey Young's going to fall a little bit, and he's going to get the most camera shots mm. over to him. Okay. Uh, but I do think the last person in the room is going to be Jerome Robinson because even though that dude scored a shit ton of points, he, really? uh, I don't like his game at all. A lot of people have him going to 18 to the Spurs. He's been he's been taught, he's been very Spursy projected, which probably means he's definitely not going to the Spurs because yeah. Spurs are going to take some. If the Spurs take Chandler Hutchinson, I'm gonna be very upset. Then I'll be like, I screwed up. <laughs> I didn't do. I did something wrong. Because any time that like that's what happened to me with Deontay Murray. The minute they took Deontay Murray, I was like, hmm, I don't know much about this Deontay fellow, but I'm gonna certainly Google him. And within two weeks after that, like of just like in taking in Deontay Murray stuff, I was like, no, well, this Deontay Murray, I think he's gonna be something. I, I don't know what. I still to this day really like Deontay Murray. I think he's. Pretty solid. Good job, Pop. So you, I, the Trey Young thing is funny to me, and that would be like the best thing probably for ESPN story wise towards the late round. DiVincenzo definitely has that same attraction. They're definitely going to kind of do the same thing with him if he continues to fall. He's going to get a lot of airtime yeah. uh, throughout. There's yeah, some of these other dudes probably not as much. Uh, I think the only other guy really you'd see like is. Any of the UK, any of the Kentucky guys, with Cal being there, like those guys start dropping, like they will be showing a ton. Um, but I guess, yeah. Any last draft thoughts from either of you as far as things we want to touch on, things we want to bring up before Thursday? Do we think any trades are going to happen before Thursday night? I think there's going to be a shit ton on Thursday. But before that, now maybe one or two, but. You see, you don't see like a, a Sixers Lakers situ- or uh, Sixers Celtics trade going down again. Probably not. I think it's all going to kind of wait to see what the Kings do at two. Um, sure. So if they don't, oh, fuck, they might trade beforehand. But I think they might just panic and do something the day of because that seems like a Kings thing to do. It does. I can't argue with that. From there, just all hell's going to break loose. People are going to be trading a ton. I'm interested to see what happens with Kemba Walker. I feel like he's going to get traded sometime this offseason. The two two guys really, yeah, would be Kemba and the – No, I don't know if the Kawhi – The Kawhi thing should happen before the the, the draft, but I don't think it's – That's too close for them to move something like that. Um but Denver possibly moving uh, Kenneth Fareed and that 14 just to get to get rid of that contract. But there's talk about them wanting to move up as well into the top 10. So there's some uncertainty with, with some of these like those. But those teams I think are the ones that really have some questions. And then there's report today that came out. The Raptors are looking. They want. Um, Shea. They want Shea uh, Georges or. How do you say it? Yeah, Gilgis Alexander, point guard from Kentucky that Taylor was talking about. They said anyone's on the table, but they want to get in the top ten to take him. So there's that. Ultra, do you see that possibly going down? Do you think so? They, do you think they would realistically trade anyone to get that guy? And do you think they have no. anything that they could get him? Well, they that's a team that does have some some Here's, assets that they could throw around for sure. What but is, I don't. Would you Go give ahead. up like, like would if would Demar for the eleventh and twelfth pick be something you would do? 
if from I'm the Clippers the to the Clippers. Clippers. If I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Like uh, Demar would want to go to LA. He's from there. Yeah. Um. I don't know why the like the Raptors are in a really weird place if they do that though. Like if yeah. you trade Demar, you might as well ship off Lowry and Serge also. But to get rid of Serge's contract, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pair yeah. that with picks. And Kyle Lowry, good luck. Yeah, I mean, I think Lowry's a little bit easier to deal than Ibaka. Ibaka was yeah. a liability last uh, postseason where sure. Lowry you know, wasn't, wasn't quite to that yeah. detriment. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening just with with picks. I, I think you got to get some other contracts and some other um, some other guys involved, but that's fun. Right. I mean, I thought it would be awesome if, if it happened, but the Raptors are just then like – we spent all season last year like, oh, the Raptors' strength is their second unit, and this is just going to make them deeper, which is just going to piss me off. I have to watch the Raptors win 55 games with just like 10 really good guys and then watch them get their ass kicked in the playoffs again. To LeBron on the Sixers. Yeah, or whoever they run into. Um, but I think the Raptors may are going to make trades this offseason. I just don't necessarily see it happening yeah. on Thursday night. They, I'm excited for the draft, guys. Yeah, this I is going to be great. I think at worst case, you can say, like, the draft has always been, like, even though I think last year's was pretty eventful trade-wise, uh, the draft at least is, like, a nice kickoff party to the actual NBA offseason more than anything. Um, and you have that ability that there is some craziness that can happen. You have the potential for Woj bombs to drop any minute. But... If anything, it's like at least the start of those conversations, those rumors, and it's a good launching pad for the free agency, which is the creme de la creme for the offseason. Um, let's wrap up a quick couple shout-outs uh, that we have. Um, I will I will throw out the, the few. First, we have to start off with, and this is really we have to go with everything, is, is Mike Bibby. Has everyone here seen the picture of Mike Bibby, a.k.a. The new Vin Diesel stunt double in the next Fast and Furious movie. I mean, he's easily put on like forty pounds of muscle. Yeah. He's huge. He looks younger too. I don't understand it. Exactly. He looks good. It's insane. He's he says he lives for five hours every day. Five hours. Just lifting, pumping iron. That's an excessively large amount of time to do. Should the Warriors rights. sign Mike Bibby this offseason? Put him in that uh, Kendrick Perkins role. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just a bouncer That's in case true. anyone touches That's it. true. I mean, he, uh, the Dwayne Wade thing was the funniest thing about that picture was he was just like, because Dwayne Wade threw his shoe when he was on the Knicks in 2012. <laughs> And he was like, you know, 2012 Dwayne Wade, like, ah, oh, get this shoe out of here. And then he was like, 20, 2018, excuse me, sir, I believe you dropped your shoe. Can I help you? <laughs> I get this back to you. <laughs> Something to that effect. So fucking funny. But, yeah, that picture is hilarious. And, like, yeah, I know he was helping his son shoot around. But he posted that picture. He wanted people to see how fucking jacked he was. Oh, he was flexing on that, too. Oh, uh, I mean, he's huge. It is. Good I, for him. I spent so much of he honestly looked like if you took either like Fat Joe or like Turtle. I couldn't think of who and then like from Honor you take one of those guys, it's like all of a sudden he's jacked as shit. Like 
Then you have Mike Bibby. Like, is well, Turtle's kind of jacked now, but he's just like not that jacked, not as yoked as as Mike yeah. Bibby is. Right. Um, so we couldn't we couldn't steal without that. Uh, another quick shout out. Uh, Kyrie can sing. Evidently, he's going to have a singing part, and he is uh, did sing on the Uncle Drew soundtrack. I have yet to hear it, but um, something to look out for. Uh, but I have to, at least for my last one, being the, the liberal cuck I am, I have to mention Ted Cruz playing basketball. If you haven't seen the pictures or any of the videos, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Ooh. Ted Cruz plays basketball exactly like you think he would. The only thing Wait, I really need... Ted Cruz might get drafted like 20... You know, he's a late first Fuck rounder, right? Fuck that shit. Fuck out of here. <laughs> I hate that? how much he looks like Grayson Allen. I hate how much Grayson <laughs> Allen looks like that piece of shit. But, uh, yeah, he was doing some sort of chariot with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel had some funny stuff, like most unathletic basketball picture ever of him guarding Ted Cruz. I really want to try to set up a Ted Cruz versus a Darren Rovell basketball game to see who can dribble it off their leg the most. Um, also, if we could couple in somehow Mason Ramsey, who's been hitting the basketball scene. All three of them are from a very similar draft as as far as the draft goes, as far as basketball pedigree skill-wise go. All coming from the same branch as the Bob Cousy, ass out, one arm as a protection, dribbling with their right hand and just real low and... and Real, real low to the ground, as low as they can go. Um, yeah. So those are my shout-outs. Ultra, what you got? I really – I have one, but, uh, yeah, I just have one. So, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce dropped an album this weekend. So shout-out to Everything is Love because it's really good. But just shout-out to the summer of music so far. Been very spoiled up to this point of the year as far as music goes. Like, it reminds me of the year that Yeezus came out and we had Magna Carta and Daft Punk and that whole that whole lineup. 2013. And, uh, you know, we're getting a couple Kanye albums. Granted, you know, we feel much strongly towards one versus the other. But, like, Nas came out with an album and it was a complete afterthought. We've got this. We've got Kinda Drake in two that. weeks. We've got... Nicki Minaj later in the summer, and it's just uh, it's a, it's a fun time to be a, a Spotify subscriber. That's for sure. Sure is. Taylor, you got any shout outs you wanna you wanna throw out there? I know it's not basketball, but shout out to To for running a four four four. Yeah, I saw that. That's fucking crazy. He is a physical I, I, specimen. Yeah. Here's a hot take. I don't think Julio Jones is really that good. Whoa, whoa, that's that's a not a very. That is uh, one offensive and two, just factual. Just out of nowhere, I think you have to give. No, him a Julio. No, Julio was training with To. He was timing him. Yeah, but you don't so think it's not, Julio? it's not out of context. I just wanted to be on record. Yeah, the hot take of Julio Jones not being very good is. Yeah, I just think that. Why do you think that? I don't think he's. Like other than having a decent game in the Super Bowl, I, he hasn't really shown up in big spots. I'm not a huge Julio guy. God damn! But well, he puts up big numbers. Yeah, Dad. Ultra, ultra. You weren't supposed to save those hot takes for the 1:30 mark of the pod. Well, we shouldn't be Good diving you're in on NFL in stuff. Good thing yeah. you're burying in the back there. Um, I did forget one one shout out. Close out with. Uh, five years ago, today is, marks the 
so Monday marks five year anniversary of the Ray Allen corner corner three pointer in the finals for the Heat, uh, which still goes down to me as one of the craziest shots I've ever seen live in a game. I think the only people I could actually convince myself might also be able to make that shot is Clay or Steph. And I feel like I'm offending Ray Allen in like insulting him by even suggesting that because I've tried it a few times just to see like in the footwork and all of it that goes into it to be able to find that spot with that much time. As far as basketball shots goes, is one of the most impressive. Um, and just, yeah, when that shot happened, I almost flipped over my couch, caused massive destruction to everything that was in my surroundings on that night. Um, so just wanted to give that a quick little shout-out, that anniversary. One last thing. Um, I'm surprised you didn't shout-out the Ron Artest one, which I think was eight years ago from Sunday. Yes, that was Sunday. Um, just all-time press conference for me. Yes, his press conference was incredible. Um, but, yeah, you know... Yeah, Ron Artest, you know, my, uh, yeah, had a long, long love for Mr. Ron Artest. Yeah, that's a good point, Taylor. I shouldn't, there's a shirt out there of from Ron Artest I saw, um, him being the, basically like the undefeated champ of Mouse at the Palace was what his shirt was that he designed. Um, Dave Schilling from The Ringer had it as, a, he like tweeted out a picture today about that, like that he owns that, so that's. Pretty hilarious, but I suppose we should close up shop, Ultra. You want to read the, uh, read all the, the good credentials and stuff? Well, first of all, thank you, Taylor, for joining us today. Yeah. got to make Thanks, this an annual, annual tradition of the, the draft pod with Taylor. He's our Mike on, Mayock but... of NBA. Oh, that's so mean. Uh, check oh, us out at the point. F- <laughs> he's fine. He's check fine. us out at the point forward NBA at gmail.com, at the point forward NBA on Twitter. At Foolish Killers, PJ's handle on Twitter, uh, and leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you like what we're doing. We will uh, recap the draft, and free agency is a week and a half away, guys. Get excited. Talk to you soon. <laughs>